Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Meet Aston Kinetics. This is Michelle Walls. I will be interviewing one of our practitioners, and today is a very special guest, Judith Aston, the founder of Artwork. Um, a little bit about me. I'm a physical therapist for uh, the last 23 years. I'm a massage therapist for 14 and an Aston practitioner since 2001. I'm currently in the teacher training program where part of my job is to let people know about this work. Um, I want to give you a little overview about uh, what is Aston Kinetics. It's a system of assessment, advanced fascial relief. Also, we have movement coaching uh, to improve your clients' outcomes. We also have uh, advanced fitness forms, such as yoga and Pilates applications, in addition to our line of ergonomic products. Although anyone with a body can benefit from Aston Kinetics, today I really want to talk to the professional, whether you're a massage therapist, physical therapist, personal trainer, or yoga instructors. This work will give you the advantage and edge I know you've been looking for. Even learning a few of our tools in this paradigm, it can benefit your practice because Aston Kinetics teaches you how to think differently about how you practice and how you use your body better. We, uh, when you see and feel these foundation principles and actions, you'll really want to learn some more, I'm sure. I think... One of the most important pieces that transforms your practice the most is using the Aston Kinetics assessment and movement techniques. So stay tuned to the end of the call, and I'll let you know more about where to find these upcoming trainings. So Judith Aston has been developing her system of assessment, bodywork, and movement coaching for the last 50 years. She started in movement and dance, exploring self-expression and designing functional movement programs for dancers, athletes, and gestalt therapists after getting her MFA at UCLA. After she had a couple of severe car accidents, Judith sought out Ida Rolf in 1968. Ida Rolf was teaching a massage form that could affect the structure and decrease pain, so Judith went to see her. By the end of that first session, Ida Rolf found out what Judith has done and invited her to design the first movement program for Rolfing to help people maintain the Rolf line. Of course, Judith accepted and went on to teach for Ida Rolf until 1977 when she branched out on her own. Judith took her innate ability to see posture and movement dynamically to make her movement coaching and fascial assessment feel more natural a, than the traditional like skyhook model that uh, and went and took this work beyond the rough line. After all, we don't actually have a skyhook, do we? Judith believes in a more natural use of aligning the body to sustain dynamic posture versus the traditional, more static models. These skills are introduced in her fundamental classes, Aston Kinetics 101 and 102. We call them Aston Visual Assessment and Moving Beyond Posture. These skills start you on the path to seeing your clients 
more accurately and being able to zero in on what is causing your client's pain. Judith, being an innovator, is always seeking to work smarter, not harder, and to improve the efficiency in the Rolfing program when she worked there. She began to play with the body mechanics, force, the angles, and timing of the Rolfing technique and eventually created her own three forms of body work, which were less stressful on the practitioner and the client, while still being very effective in changing structure and alignment. The Afton movement and fitness forms create a lovely massaging and toning effect by um, making gravity your friend and learning to release built-up stress in the body by recycling the forces, making work less effortful and you stronger. The result is an elegant play between gravity and ground reaction force to massage your fascia with movement. You may have heard about some of the latest fascial research and how it has helped bring fascia into the mainstream. It's been a hot topic in bodywork, yoga, and fitness in the last few years. Um, many people have tried to figure out how to fit the fascial movement into what we know about fascia and bodywork, but none has done it as well and as accurately as Judith Aston. In reality, movement is more complex and elegant than the polar and lever model that I learned in school. In, in addition, the neurology of movement and pain is a huge influencer, which we can affect by both body work together with movement. Aston Kinetics seamlessly addresses all these aspects of body work, movement, and neurology. I would like to also consider that Judith Aston has received many awards for her contributions uh, for her work in this field. I would urge you to take this opportunity to study with the Master of Movement and Body Work. Now I would like to introduce Judith Aston. She is founder of Aston Kinetics, and we're going to talk now about how she sees how her work can benefit your practice. Hi, Judith. Welcome. Hello, Michelle. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. I'm honored that you jo- you're joining me today, and I think... Uh, we're really going to give some great insight to your work and uh, how it can be a real benefit to people's uh, practices. So I have some questions, if uh, we could start on that. Okay. All right. So you're one of the masters of movement and body work, like I said, and you've personally lo- known some of the legends in these fields, like Ida Rolf and Moshe. Feldenkrais, for for example, and would you be willing to tell us a little story about one of them? I'm always curious to hear um, what it was like to know these people who really influenced movement and body work. Oh, my goodness. You know, I've been so fortunate. Uh, I'm sure it had to do with where I was in terms of just the proximity to where people were teaching and working and doing their own personal research in their work. But, I mean, I had the chance to, uh, from UCLA and all the great teachers that I worked with there, I had a chance to work with Anna Heffron and Mary Whitehouse, Ida Rolf, Fritz Perls, Alan Watts, Tom Munson, Virginia Satir, Moshe Feldenkrais, Eric Erickson, and so on. Um, And, you know, 
it was just an exciting time in the 60s and the 70s um, through the work of the growth centers, um, through people really getting new ideas out there about uh, bodies and tensegrity and movement and coaching and so on and so forth. And I met and worked with Dr. Rolf, as you said, starting in 1968, um, and that was truly an honor. I mean, she was always an inspiration, and she taught me how quickly a body can change. I did not know before her first session with me that you could work on the tissue and it could immediately change. So this was so um, exciting, and it provided this hope that I had been so depressed about being um, challenged from my last car accident and not able to really stand up or teach dance fully, all of those things that I loved. So had Dr. Rolf not asked me to create that program and had trained me, I wouldn't have known that I even had a an aptitude for body work. So I'm so grateful to her. And then I started to, to work with her work and things started changing and this idea, I started teaching and seeing I could do it differently or a little better or something. And by 1972, when I heard that Moshe Feldenkrais was going to be teaching in Big Sur and I was going to be there assisting Dr. Roth, I said, oh, I've got to go see this man. Maybe he is a physicist, can explain to me, well, he's a master of many things, he could explain to me why these things I'm discovering are working. <laughs> so I told him why I came to the class. And, oh, my goodness, what a joy to be with him. Um, he was very entertaining, very brilliant. And I guess because I was a dancer mover, he used to have me demonstrate all the movements that he was teaching. So that was fun. But really, I kept waiting till I think it was day four or five when I knew that he was going to give me time to show him my work. And so he finally did. And I showed him a session, and he started off on the far side of the room, and he kept getting closer and closer until he's sitting, kind of leaning over my clients, <laughs> looking at what's going on. And he says to me, did you figure this out yourself? And I said, I didn't know whether to say yes or no, so I said, yes. Like <laughs> He said, very clever, very, very good. And from that moment on, of course, when I asked him, could you tell me why this is working? He said, no, no, just keep up the good work. And then he just started referring so many people to me and being so generous with his um, acknowledgement and his support. And that lasted until until he died. Yeah, it was just great. Wow. So, so many people. I'm just blessed to have known him and Dr. Rolf and all these great people. Wow, that's a wonderful story. Thank you so much. And um, that was just to get us all warmed up and, you know, just to really get a... a understanding of your history and where you've come from. Um, but I want to bring us into the present, and um, I want to ask you, what do you feel like it are the best benefits, um, let's say a massage therapist, for example, would receive by taking your acid fundamentals training? Well, so many aspects seem to help people. And because we have so many parts to our work, I mean, the biggest piece is this new paradigm. I, <clears throat> for years, I kept studying and teaching traditional posture, 
dance posture, alignment, the way I had been taught. And there was the dance model, there was the the medical model, there was Dr. Rolf's model, which some of you may know was a pelvic tilt with the elbows out and the feet very close together and parallel with the chin in, top of the head up, and waistline back. Many, many models. And I'm a person who has always noticed patterns. So when people would put on these patterns that I was teaching, I noticed they would go on hold. And something about that was not right. The question came, really, if we're in good posture, it has to be effortful? I don't understand. And I used to play with this with large audiences, small classes. It didn't matter. But I would then say, okay, let me see what your best posture is. And they put on some kind of holding pattern. And it would look very similar one one person to the next so that I'd look at the room and I'd say, how interesting. There are 30 people in this room and we have one idea being represented when all these people go on to hold. They go into effort, they reach up, their shoulders go back, their chest goes out, et cetera, et cetera. They all look very stiff. So I said, okay, now how would you sit right now in this chair for how you feel? And they would relax and I'd say, look around. Do you see more people? (laughs) Because suddenly there are 30 people instead of one idea. And that would be an example of so many of us have been given the shoulds. We should do it this way. We need to hold this way. It's good for us. We will benefit. So we buy into it, and then we feel bad when we don't do it all the time. So um, one of the ideas was noticing the pattern of what alignment looked like. And as I went into that, then that started changing to the paradigm of what is a good posture, And we talk about that in that first class. What is your posture for now? What's your best available optimal for now? And to do that, one has to be able to assess. Assess alignment. Be able to look Mm -hmm. at the body's dimension. Look at the body's movement and relationship through these different segments and what kind of overall body pattern is created with histories of injuries and trainings and sports and birth traumas and all the things that we go through. What's going on in that body? So the 101 course, Asking Kinetics 101, is the assessment of seeing the body with insight. It's not just about the shoulders high on the left, low on the right, and so on. It's, whoa, look at this three-dimensionally, and where else do you see this pattern going to? Where do you see it changing? Is that a tension place or is that a hypotonic place? So we start to talk about the whole assessment piece in 101, and people use that technique, that skill, to start to think about how they change their own techniques and their own skills in their practices to create a session, and they do this by the end of that 101, create a session based on what they heard the client say, what they see the client, what they think they should do, and putting it together. So that assessment is the big piece and kind of the core to everything. Because if people can't see that this person taking their Pilates class has a scoliosis that needs to be honored, because if you ask them to force them to straighten out, either on the reformer or on the mat or what have you, You could be encouraging them 
to create more shear, more torsion, and actually exacerbate something and push it even deeper into the body. So the assessment is the big piece for whatever it is people teach. They could be a music teacher, Mm -hmm. a yoga teacher, a skiing coach, a body worker, a massage person at a spa, because you will see the body pattern when the person is lying on the table. You can see it, and therefore it affects how you work. I know sometimes people are taught you do three of these moves on the right leg, you do three of these moves on the left leg. But really, are they symmetrical? Are they the same? Should you start to change the way you work by what you see and what you feel? Mm-hmm. Did, did you want me to go on to the 102? or? Um, yeah, just say a few things about how we take that same assessment and we we put it into movement, we take it into movement and be, begin to give these people, these students, the perspective of really being able to see this piece uh, in the dynamic body. Very much so, very much so. A lot of um, what I discovered when I was doing this in the 60s, particularly with my accidents in 66 and 67, you know, you get a chance to really see that people... We're looking at the body in a certain linear way. To be on hold was good. (laughs) To be bilaterally symmetrical was good. And you take the still posture and you put the body into motion while holding that static posture. So static posture while moving isn't quite the same. I remember, I can't even tell you how grateful I was (laughs) when Dr. Rolf said to me one time, now wait a minute here, Judith. I'm in charge of the static body. You can be in charge of the dynamic body. And I went, oh, thank you. (laughs) Because I think the body is always dynamic, even in stationary balance. So I loved the freedom to really play with that. Um, In Asking Kinetics, and I think one of the reasons you're wanting me to talk about this particular combination of 101 and 102 is in Austin, the upcoming class. We're going to do it as a five-day class, a blitzo, five days in a row, as opposed to two weekends or two different times where we do two three-day classes. So people travel just for one combination, one trip, and get two classes. And in the second class, the Aston Kinetics 102, we focus on this paradigm about posture and motion, and we teach people how to, well, first of all, There's a whole part to the class about touch. So many people learn to teach by just duplicating the person who teaches them, imitating them, reading the notes, doing it as the protocol says. But I found by watching really many of these masters, the master had the work, but they didn't know how to teach it to many of their students because they didn't have the teaching skills. So we spend time talking about teaching skills in that class. We Mm. spend time talking about and feeling touch and how touch, when it's three-dimensional, communicates a thousand words very quickly. Um, And then we get into the basic Aston movement designs for finding neutral in sitting and standing, looking at bending and reaching. Um, And then we move that to how to teach someone else to do these very basic designs. These basic designs are what I recommend that people do before 
they do Pilates, yoga, etc. They do before they meditate. They find their neutral before they go into a situation that's going to be challenging. They do neutral <laughs> before they finish their argument. <laughs> they find a new place that gives them some support to be in their best best place. So that is the 102 class, and it is those two classes, 101 and 102, are, are prerequisites for all of our other classes in the sense of Pilates and yoga and fitness, loosening and toning and stretching and cardio. All of those classes, facial fitness, etc., 101 and 102 are the prerequisites. Right, so that's a lot of really good information, and um, and I think it opens up uh, the possibility, uh, especially for massage therapists, to not only see their clients more accurately, but learn how to teach them to take the work that they've done on the table with them out the door and on their way home. And it's such a tremendous gift, I think, to be able to communicate uh, uh, this piece to their clients because they can really affect their lives and empower their clients to take this on or find a better place to live in their body. Wonderful. You know, I I want to comment about one other thing because I I know how easy it is for people to look at what's being taught and say, well, I wouldn't do it that way. You know, I would do it differently, et cetera, et cetera. For me, what was astounding (laughs) was I was teaching all of these different ideas and suddenly realized, wait a minute, what's coming out of my mouth is not what I'm seeing. I don't agree with what I'm seeing. And it was such a key moment for me, well, many moments. It happened over and over because I was booked to teach a certain kind of content. And I'd go, wow, you know, when you disagree with yourself, you have to pay attention. And because I'm a problem solver and extremely creative, I had to find other ways. And so being able to empower people to do self-care and be able to help themselves. So what I started to notice Uh, You know, Dr. Rolf said, now, I think people should do this movement work after they've done 10 sessions of Rolfing. But I was teaching, and so I was teaching people that would come in that hadn't had the Rolfing series yet. And what was so fascinating was that when they would get movement work, what we thought would be the plan that they needed for their bodywork session on the first session changed so significantly, their body transformed from the movement work. So I went, "Uh uh-oh, the functional holding patterns. And this is where I started to make a distinction between functional holding and structural holding. Structural holding generally needs to get in there and get the body work to help so you can speed up the time for the change. But functional, there's so much we can do to release functional holding patterns. So it was all of these different things about empowering the person who teaches, empowering the person who's learning, and being able to take it home and really help themselves. And I think we get to that in these first two classes. We get to the beginnings of that anyway. Wonderful. Yeah, and you actually sort of opened the door to my uh, next piece is um, 
you know, I'm a physical therapist and I was very attracted to this work and it solved a problem I had for a very long time. Um, and I think the advanced level of training that you're offering uh, can be appealing to these advanced practitioners, such as physical therapists and advanced body workers. And like you said, you've worked you worked with the Rolfers who were already graduated in their continuing education as well. So, um, do you have anything else to add uh, about? Oh, I just that? want to tell you a couple things about that because it's interesting. We are having more of the Rolfing practitioners come these days to classes, and it's so much fun for me um, to work with them. And I have to say that um, while they, you know, they so appreciate the training they've had, what they comment on in their evaluations when they turn those in at the end of the class is that we get to a lot of the questions that they had during their trainings right away in these first couple of classes, some of the problem-solving mm-hmm. aspects. Um of course, some of these people are coming for the Body Works 103 and 104 also, and that's pretty exciting. That's pretty exciting to work with them, too. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know whether you want me to go on to physical therapists or massage therapists, that distinction right now, so just let me know when you want me to do that. I think I think that gives people an idea of, you know, the level of training we're talking about here and how uh, in-depth it actually is. Um, so... I just uh, wanted to move on, and um, I wanted to talk about how, um, like, the the gifts of the fitness people, you know. So we have many people in fitness that are getting to be very advanced as far as, you know, the techniques that they use and the facilitation to, you know, and gain... um, higher and higher levels of functioning for the average person and, um, you know, that they're training. And I'm wondering uh, how, what are, what are some of the gifts that they uh, will receive from this uh, beginning training? You know, starting with what you mentioned there, I, I've been a member of IDEA for a very long time and, of course, um I've been in the field of movement and dance and fitness for 51 years now. Um, But the piece there is that there's so much research out there now. There's so much with exercise physiology. There's so much on this fascial research. There's the, The basis, the foundation that these people have these days is fantastic the the media the technology has allowed people to be more than current many of these uh people that are teaching are on cutting edge um because they stay connected and mm-hmm. this is what's been so fun for me because and i never lose the enthusiasm because it doesn't matter these people come like it just happened in maui several teachers of yoga and and pilates came to the last class i taught there and they said oh, my goodness, this changes everything. Really? Really? Are you really? (laughs) Is that okay? It's just a slight change that changes everything because they could experience that when they use this paradigm with these ideas and this theory and these concepts, they got the whole body to change so much faster. They got the whole body to do the sun salute and awaken places that they hadn't found that 
were available before because people didn't know how to utilize the whole, whole body. They were giving their body messages to do isolated movement. So for me, it doesn't matter whether it's a, person, a running coach or uh, someone who works with hurdles or it doesn't matter. You know, I had a chance to, to be interviewed by the Kansas City Royals one time many, many years ago in 79, to, and I started analyzing all their players uh, for them because they kept saying, well, what do you see on the field here? And I'd say this, and they'd go, oh, that person has had a shoulder surgery. And it was just because of this assessment skill, and I said, golly, that guy, if he doesn't get some help and some change, his right knee is right <laughs> They go, yeah, he's scheduled for surgery coming up. It was just one of those things where this work applies to everything. Now, here's mm-hmm. here's the bottom line, though. It only helps people who are interested, as with all things. So we have the ideas. We have the ability to teach. We know how to individualize it to the person because our practitioners train to see to feel, to palpate, to make a body map, to be able to design a session for exercise or body work. And it's just so much fun, just so much fun. Yes, your classes are a lot of fun and and really open up uh, possibility, I think, for for really knowing um, knowing yourself, you know, because all these... uh, all these concepts are applied to the, you know, the practitioner first. So you really feel them in your body, and then you teach your uh, client to be able to do it as well. So that's fantastic, and I just so appreciate your work. Um, so, Judith, we had a couple of cl- uh, people who wrote in um, asking uh, some pretty specific questions that were uh, really interesting to me. So if you don't mind, can we move on to those? Yes, yes. Uh-huh. All right. So um, from Brian Cook, your method has um, been applied to both Pilates and yoga, and these two disciplines are often portrayed as having significant differences in their basic philosophy of breathing. And how does how does your approach uh, to breathing relate to what is commonly taught in Pilates and yoga, for example? Well, thank you for the question, Brian. And this is so uh, distinctly different from one system to another for what objective, but also for each individual. So you've got this combination going. So, for example, certain people doing meditative breath, breath they are doing the diaphragmatic breathing for their own personal body, maybe not for the meditative state, but for their own personal body, when they don't know how to bring breath into the thoracic area as well, to massage the intercostal muscles of the ribs, to expand the chest and let the lungs do their thing, then the breath pattern is uh, the lack of the breath pattern throughout the whole system is limiting them. So there may be some individual coaching that we would do for a certain uh, purpose, objective, and then they could apply that to the diaphragmatic breathing. Or they could apply that to diaphragmatic breathing first and then thoracic breathing to follow once the diaphragm drops down. Um, Mm. Some people uh, with certain exercises you see because of the the 
physiology going on, obviously they exhale with effort. What you see in their body is the amount that they exhale really taxes, puts strain on certain places in their body where they don't have the support of the fullness of the chest to do that much lifting of the weight with their arms because of the volume of their chest is decreased uh, through the exhalation. So everything is monitored for the individual to the purpose. The meditative state, I get that perhaps best through this diaphragmatic breathing and saying and doing the mantra of OM. We would not change that particular piece. And in fact, let me just say, we wouldn't change anything. That, that's not up to our practitioners. We provide information. The person is always their own teacher. If they like it, they'll use it. If they don't, if they don't understand, but they're still interested, they'll come back for more clarification as their body is changing. But if it mm. doesn't jive with them, it's not something that we would be uh, saying, oh, you should do this. It's good for you. I think I started out that way. <laughs> oh, great. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, so that individualization of the practice for each person is so important in this work. Um, and from Amy, um, she asked, uh, can you discuss the importance and or impact of changing our movement patterns for affecting our daily pain levels? So someone who's in pain, for example, how does that, um, how does that impact uh, pain, do you think? Oh, my. Such an exciting uh, topic. Uh, I say that because I just returned from working with quite a few people in Albuquerque, uh, um, and one of the women that Lisa Hammett and I, she's a client of Lisa Hammett, we worked with is someone that was given a brace way back when she uh, had polio as a child and she's been wearing these braces and so on and so forth. And it's not only that I wanted to and did redesign the brace, but it was the path of action, the path of the weight bearing through any joint that needed to be changed so that she wouldn't exacerbate the problem in her body, but also would not increase the discomfort. So, for example, someone, a mother carrying a child, say they are right-handed, they carry the baby on the left hip, they stick their left hip out to the side to create a nice little shelf for the baby while they do things with the right hand and so on and so forth. Pretty soon, as the baby gains weight particularly... <laughs> they may notice they suddenly have a back problem if they didn't have one before. And that starts to compromise the way they move. So we would be, one, teaching people how to find the available optimal, teaching people different movement designs that they could do to loosen that tension, tone that part to give them strength and stability, and then how to apply it to a daily activity like holding and carrying the baby, and then the baby gets put down for a little while or puts in their little seat and so on, quickly you can do a neutral and a brief little exercise to neutralize that. So what happens is these vectors of stresses often are where these, these intersections create pain areas. And people try to avoid them by taking their weight bearing out of them, which usually just increases the vector and the torsion or shear more. So 
we love that our practitioners have these skills to help people figure out and how to problem solve. Right. Wonderful. I love that answer, and I use that all the time, every every day I practice. <laughs> so thank you. Um, so you were uh, just uh, at the World Massage Festival, where last year you had received a Lifetime Achievement Award for 50 years in the field, and um, where are you seeking next? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, suddenly I became very old for people. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> they, they want to move chairs for me and things out, and so I had quite a bit of fun with that. I have to say I'll tell you more about that at another time. But anyway, um, so I'm quite excited about uh, next month um, I'm doing a webinar for ABMP. Uh, it's a three-session series, um, and I'll be doing – Let's see, they're filming mid-September, and I don't know exactly when the series starts, but please stay tuned to our Facebook, like us, or stay tuned to our website because we will be posting all of this. And this particular class they've asked me to do is a self-care class, and Mm. we will be doing many of these uh, classes. You'll see these bits around. We've been doing these for a while now, these last um, few years, so stay tuned because you will see more. Excellent. And um, I'm just wanting to also invite everybody to Austin, Texas, where we're going to have the Fundamentals, Aspen Kinetics 101 and 102 classes. And um, if you are interested in what Judith has been saying and you are piqued and wanting more information or wanting to just jump into that next class, then I want to uh, invite you to to the website, astonkinetics.com, and, uh, uh, or email oh, yes. the office at office at astonkinetics.com and tell them you're on the call, and we will give you a little discount of $50. So be sure to give a call, and you have till Friday. So that is... Um, something I want to make sure you know to take action on that little little gift Judith is giving. Um, and I uh, want to thank you so much, Judith, for your time today. Uh, we've gone a little bit over, but uh, you have so much great information to share with us. We could be here for hours, I'm sure. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I, I just uh, tease, you know, we could just lock the door and we could stay here for 30 days straight. But anyway, I, I that we, will be, we will be doing that 101 and 102 um, uh, content. Mark Barber will be teaching the 101, and he's great and has been teaching for years. I'll be joining, well, I'll be teaching 102, and Michelle is assisting me for that. Um, and then Allison Sagewin, one of our teachers, will be teaching these classes in Reno and Tahoe. Um, and so please, please check in with us if you are interested in coming to other classes. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Judith. I really appreciate your time, and um, I hope you have a wonderful evening. And uh, everybody, please uh, have a a great evening yourselves, and we would uh, love to hear from you on Facebook and facebook.com forward slash Aston Kinetics. So uh, 
I'm going to go ahead and uh, take everybody off of mute. Let me just say thank you to everybody for tuning in. And uh, if anybody wants to say hi or goodbye, uh, please, uh, you're welcome to do so now. Aloha, Judith from Hawaii. Hi, who's this? From Colorado. Who's Hi, Judith from Turlock, California. Oh, all right. How fun. Hey, hi, you guys. See you in Austin. from Reno. Hey, great. Kim from Maui. Hey, who's that? Kim from Maui. Hey, Kim. Hi. Hey, hi. Oh, golly, Michelle, now we can just hang out for hours.